Hey, Miss Linda, I see you're all ready to get started doing Preparing Our Heart for Worship podcast today. Yes, sir, and it's a great day to serve the Lord in this ministry. Welcome to all of you that have come here to be with us. I'm Glenn Dawson, and I'm here with my wife, Linda, and it's a joy to be able to come to you with song of our Christian heritage that say so much about a relationship with Christ. Yes, Glenn, the songs we grew up singing and talking about just that, Christ and our relationship with Him, while so many of our newer songs today seem to be centered around ourselves, with personal pronouns asking what we can get Him to do for us. And He's done it all for us already. He shed His blood on the cross for our sins, and by faith we need to allow that blood to wash away our sins. Today's song starts by asking the question, Have you been to Jesus with for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And the chorus says, Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When your bridegroometh cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion bright? and be washed with the blood of the Lamb. Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is a 19th century gospel song, or what might be called a Sunday school song, contemporary song, avoided calling people souls unclean, and avoided speaking so explicitly and insistently for the remedy, more the pity. We still need the power in the shed blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. Are You Washed in the Blood is a well-known Christian hymn written in 1878 in Ohio by Alicia Hoffman, a Presbyterian minister from Pennsylvania. Alicia Hoffman was born on May 7, 1839 in Pennsylvania to German parents. His father served as a pastor for over 60 years, and this probably influenced Elisha's decision to enter the ministry. After graduating from Union Seminary in Pennsylvania, Elisha Hoffman was ordained as a Presbyterian preacher in 1868. As a preacher, he was designated to the circuit in Napoleon, Ohio in 1872. There he served with the Evangelical Association's Publishing Division in Cleveland for 11 years. He worked in many churches and chapters in Cleveland and in Grafton in the 1880s. Through his lifetime, he penned more than 2,000 gospel songs, including Are You Washed in the Blood in 1878 and Leaning on the Everlasting Arms in 1894. As a pastor, Alicia was committed to drawing his people into worship and during his lifetime he composed over 2,000 hymns. 
He also helped to edit numerous music publications. Though Alicia did not have any formal music training, he grew up in a home that was full of sacred songs. Singing hymns was a regular part of the family's daily worship and devotion time. From a young age, Alicia demonstrated a natural gift for music, and he developed a deep love of hymns. By age 18, Alicia had composed his first hymn. Unlike many popular hymns, Alicia is the author, author of both the words and music. Music historian Jacob Hall records, When a melody is born in the soul, appropriate words seem to be immediately associated with the melody. Or when this conception in his mind crystallizes into a hymn, usually there is present the suggestion of a melody that will give adequate and fitting expression to the mental conception. There are exceptions, but this is the rule of which governs him in his musical writings. Are You Washed in the Blood is written in the style of a military march. It became quite popular, in fact, among the Salvation Army brass bands. The song first appeared in 1878 in a book called Spiritual Songs for Gospel Meetings and the Sunday School of which Hoffman was a co-editor. Three years later, it was included in Ira Sankey's Sacred Songs and Solos. This hymn first appeared in Hoffman's publication, Spiritual Songs for Gospel Meetings and the Sunday School. The title of the publication itself is an interesting commentary on the role of gospel songs played in the early era. They were not necessarily accepted in or intended for the uh, for the uh, regular services of the church, much in the fashion of devotional songs or praise songs of the last few decades. They were used in youth gatherings and other special meetings. There was a certain amount of controversy in singing something so obviously connected to a popular uh, secular style in worship. Gradually, they were accepted, and they were, and from the familiarity of long use, and the shifting of popular music styles, they have acquired a sacred sound and they might not have had in the original singing. A repeated phrase from the song was used in Vassal Lindsay's poem, General Booth Enters Into Heaven, about the death of Salvation Army founder William Booth. Booth led boldly with his big brass drum, Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? The saints smiled gravely and they said, He's come. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Stanza 1 reads, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Sadly, there are those in the professing church today who want to do away with references to the Savior's shed blood. However, to do that, they have to revise the Scriptures themselves. The Bible says Christ loved us 
and washed us from our sins in his own blood, Revelations 1.5. And it speaks of those who will triumph in the tribulation as having washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 7.14. Truths which Hoffman makes use of. People often mistakenly believe that the proverb cleanliness next to godliness is in the Bible. Well, it's not. <laughs> At least not in so many words. But the Bible frequents cleanliness in the spiritual sense throughout both Testaments. The Old Testament, the separation of the clean from the unclean, and the need for God's people to ma- maintain cleanliness, was focused on certain outward and ceremonial aspects related to diet and health. In the New Testament, however, Jesus makes it clear that true cleanliness is a matter of behavior. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. For from him within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person, as in Mark seven fifteen twenty through 23 This is an uncleanliness that none of us can wash away on our own, for there is none righteous, no, not one, as in Romans 3.10. If you have watched your child trying to clean up a mess of his own and only making it worse, perhaps you have a picture of humankind's effort to rid himself from spiritual uncleanliness. We're just moving the dirt around at best. The situation is dire because it is clear that heaven is a place of spiritual cleanness. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, Revelation twenty one twenty seven. But it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, Hebrews ten four. What could be done? Malachi three two prophesied of one who would come to cleanse his people, for he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap, Malachi three two. Even today, we use intense heat to refine mere materials by burning away the impurities from the desired substance. Likewise, we use powerful detergents to remove stains. Christ is the most powerful refiner and cleaner of all. His blood has the power to take away the sins of the world. John one twenty nine. Today's course goes, Are you washed? In the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Throughout the Bible, white robes are indicative of holiness and purity. Angels appear in white, and Jesus in his transfiguration was also in dazzling white. In the Revelation, the white robes take on an added significance as they symbolize those who are counted worthy to enter Christ's heavenly home. Stains and spots on the robes indicate unworthiness, Revelations 3. 
How do we acquire and maintain such spiritual attire? In Revelation 7:14, we learn that the white-robed saints in heaven have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We read of Christ's desire for this in Ephesians 5:25 through 28. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Salvation requires washing away of spiritual uncleanliness. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by His Spirit, by the and by the Spirit of God, as we see in First Corinthians six eleven. How can we engage in washing? In Acts twenty two sixteen, the Apostle Paul, recounting his process of conversion to Christianity, gives us a word that Ananias spoke to him in Damascus and how and now why do you wait rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name Paul had come to believe in Christ felt the conviction of his sin and was earnestly praying to know what to do But up until that point, he had not washed away his sin. Baptism was the final step in which he would, he called on the name of the Lord and let the blood of Christ Jesus cleanse his soul. Stanzas 2 says, Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? if only one time cleansing was enough. We try to walk in the right way, but sometimes we not some, it's not much better than the sow, after being washed, returns to water in the mire. 2 Peter 2.22 But if we walk in the light as he walked in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. Not that we'd ever take His forgiveness for granted or treat it like a license, but we are reassured that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Rather than an encouragement to license, it's an encouragement to for an even greater love and devotion to a wonderful Savior. Stanza 3, it says that when the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? In this stanza, Hoffman seems to reference Ephesians 5, 25-27 passions in which Christ is a bridegroom preparing his bride, the church, by washing her clean of any stain. But there is also 
a sense of our active responsibility to be prepared. Hoffman may also have had in mind a parable of a wedding feast in Matthew 22, 1 and 14, in which the man was found in the banquet hall without a wedding garment and ejected from the presence of the king. There has been a great deal of debate over the significance of the, this wedding garment, particularly whether it was customary for guests to provide their own attire or to retrieve it from the host. Since we are told uh, in this parable, it must it seems a bit much to try and make a point of this. There is plenty to learn from the facts of Jesus presenting them. There was an ex expected holy attire for the occasion, and those who did not have it were not allowed to enjoy the king's hospitality. The repeated reference to robes in Revelations indicates the same is true for our admission into Christ's hospitality in eternity. Jesus said to the church in Sardis, Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3, 3-5 Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Fortunately, it is not up to us to provide the cleansing of the garments of righteousness. For Isaiah 64, 6 truly says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Even to the church at Laodicea, for whom Christ reserved his most scathing rebukes in the Revelation, he also said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself. Revelations 3.18 Near the conclusion of the Bible, we also read, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Revelation 22.14 The invitation is clear and open to all who would take advantage of it. Okay, Miss Linda, let's shift gears now and get to this week's Bible study. Okay, Glenn, what will hell be like? Well, Jesus spoke of hell as a literal place, describing it as in graphic terms over in Matthew ten, twenty-eight. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And Matthew thirteen forty through 42 says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then in Mark 
9, 43 through 44. And if the hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life marred than having two hands and go to hell into the fires that shall never be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched hell is as literal as heaven psalms eleven four through six says the lord is in his holy temple the lord's throne is in heaven his eyes behold his eyelids try the children of men the lord trieth the righteous but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth upon the wicked he shall rain snares fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest this shall be the portion of their cup and as eternal as heaven and matthew twenty five forty six says and these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal hell is a place of punishment designed for satan and the fallen angels matthew twenty four forty one through forty six says then shall he say unto them on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison and you visited me not then shall they also answer him saying lord when we when when saw we thee hungry and a thirst and a stranger or naked and sick or in prison and did not minister to thee then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you did not to one of the least of these, you did not to me. And these shall go away into an everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life, as in Revelations 20.10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell will also be inhabited by people who do not accept God's gift of the Savior. Revelations twenty twelve through 15 And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged, out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell is a horrible place of suffering and everlasting destruction matthew thirteen forty one and 42 says the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom 
all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and 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 shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth, as in Second Thessalonians one nine. Who shall be punished in everlasting destruction, from the present in the presence of of the Lord, and from the glory of His power. In hell, people are conscious, full of regret, and retain all their capacities and desires, with no hope for any fulfillment for all eternity. Luke sixteen twenty two through thirty one, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may testify unto him. Least they come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, although one rose from the dead. Because God is just, hell will not be the same for everyone. Unsaved people, everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, will be judged by God in relation to the works they have done, which have been recorded in the books of heaven. Revelations twenty twelve through 15 And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the fire, the lake of fire. The severity of the punishment will vary with the amount of truth known and the nature and the number of sins committed. Matthew eleven twenty through 24 says, Then begin he to abrade the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto Chorazin! Woe unto Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and in Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, 
it'll be more tar- tolerable for Tar and Sidon at that day on judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, that shall be no more tolerable in the land of Sodom than the day of the judgment than for thee. Luke twenty forty five through 47 Then in the audience of all the people he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the high seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feast, which devour widows' houses and for a shoe make long prayers, the same shall receive greater damnation. Romans 2, 3, and 5 And thinkest thou this, O man that judgest them which do such things and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or dost thou riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after the hardness and impatient heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. As we conclude this... And the people who hear of it daily and profess to believe in the fundamental articles of the faith seldom think about it as if they had never heard of such a thing or did not believe a word they heard. You'd think that since we have been raised with Christ in a new life, people would set their hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3.1 says, The temporal things serve your use, but the eternal be the object of your desire. No one who knows what the New Testament is about will worry that Christianity is other-worldly. Of course it is, and that is precisely where its power lies. Let no one apologize for the powerful emphasis Christianity lays upon the doctrine of the world to come. Right there lies its immense superiority to everything else within the whole sphere of human thought or experience. When Christ arose from the death and ascended into heaven, he established forever three important facts, namely, that this world had been condemned to ultimate destruction, that the human spirit persists beyond the grave, and there is indeed a world to come. The church is constantly being tempted to accept the world as her home, and sometimes she has listened to those who would woo her away and use her for their own ends. If we are wise, we will consider that she stands between eternity past and eternity to come. The past is gone forever, and the present is passing as swift as the sand in the hourglass. Even if the earth should continue a million years 
Not one of us could stay to enjoy it. We do well to think of the long tomorrow. Heaven is really worth getting excited about. I have re relied on Randy Elkhorn's The Promise of Heaven for this study we've been doing. Randy is a prolific writer and an authority on the what the Bible has to say about heaven. If you get his book called Heaven, it's a thorough study of the subject and a delightful read. I hope you've enjoyed this study as much as I have putting it together and presenting it. Now, Glenn, how about you play Are You Washed in the Blood on the tenor saxophone? Jesus has made the supreme sacrifice and shed, by shedding his blood on Calvary's cross. He did this for you. How can we ignore so great a salvation that this gift he has paid for with his life's blood? He so much wants you to accept this gift. As he waits, his heart begs you to turn to him from your sin and destruction. My Christian friends, let your heart drift in prayerful melody for those who need Christ. Holy Spirit, come, convict our hearts, move across this great land with great conviction.
We love it when you visit. It's so good to hear from old friends and new friends, too. And, of course, we enjoy talking about the old-time hymns, the authors and events related to the writing of their songs. We hope you have been informed and enjoyed yourselves. Our music has been distributed to the web, and you can hear it by searching the web for the music of Glenn Dawson. Go over to YouTube and search for us. When you get there, punch the like button and subscribe button. You can also punch the bell if you'd like to be notified when we release a new song. To partner with YouTube, we need 4,000 watched hours in a 12-month period, and we need 1,000 subscribers. We appreciate all the help you can give us with that. So come over there and help us get our channel going. Our program is a part of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. We're a nonprofit organization dedicated to sharing Jesus with everyone. We enjoy hearing from you. And you can write us on our platform you're hearing us on. Or you can go over to our website and you can make a note to us there. That's over at glendawsonea.com. G-L-E-N-N-D-A-W-S-O-N-E-A.C-O-M. We look forward to seeing you again next week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. God, God be, be with, with you. you. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.